Hello and welcome to the Keeping the Peace podcast with me, Alexis Powell Howard. Today I'm joined by DC Nat Holden and DC Les Prendergast from Merseyside Police, who both work in the uh, Protecting Vulnerable People unit. Uh, thanks for coming to join me, both of you. Morning. 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 So, do you want to give me a little bit of uh, introduction about what your roles are, and you know how long you've been in policing, and you know all of that kind of stuff? Nat, do you want to go first? Yep, so I'm DC Nat Holden and I've been in Merseyside Police for 17 years. Um, the past five years I've been in this department um, started off investigating domestic violence and domestic abuse and I currently investigate vulnerable adults and child protection. Okay, brilliant. Thank you. How about you, Les? Uh, yep, DC Les Prendergast. Uh, I've been in with Merseyside Police for eight years. Um, initially on the response role and then the last three years I've been at the vulnerable persons unit um, and I deal with the domestic violence or you know sexual offences. Right okay okay thank you. Um, so the purpose of our conversation today really is to talk about your your roles and how that impacts on you as, as, as officers but also as individuals you know personally and professionally and also to kind of think about what what both of what your experiences have been, but also what helps you as well. Because I think, you know, having worked with the PVP team in Humberside, I know there's a lot of different challenges, isn't there, within the roles that you're that you're doing? Yes. Um, which is different actually to other parts of policing, which is the idea behind us having conversations with people in different roles for this second series of the podcast. So can you tell me a little bit about your experiences in terms of the role and, and how that impacts on you, um, you know, whether that's professionally or personally, you know, kind of what you've learned about yourself as a result of the role? I don't know if you want to jump in that first. Yeah, so, I mean, it's the volume um, of investigations that we can have. Um, initially, domestic abuse, um, I mean, we're currently in this pandemic um, and it has it has raised um, the number of investigations that we have, um, and it's it does take a lot out of the officers to you know to investigate them, um, and then also we've got the the child protection um, again with this pandemic that may have you know gone off a little bit. There's not there's not as many coming through, but because the schools have now gone back. And we found this previously, um, that when the schools have gone back, the levels of the, the jobs have gone up again because the children have got somebody to actually report to. Mm. I mean, within domestic abuse and child protection and vulnerable adults, we've dealt with sexual offences on both children and adults. Um, we've dealt with deaths, um, murders of domestic abuse victims which you know is just horrendous we have to go to the post-mortems and deal with the families and you know you, you do take that home with you you can't not um, you know yeah. you see how somebody has been affected by the loss of someone or you know that somebody's managed to come forward and and disclose that they've been abused by a family member those two they're very different but the psychological effects that they have on on us and on those people is huge and mm. emotional as well oh, yeah um i've been home in tears yeah you yeah. know just feeling sorry for these people and you know not being able to give them the the, the you know the, the life that they should be able to have yeah 
Um, I can think of one specific case yeah. for, for, that just summarises that. For me, for what you've been through, but for all of us, I think it's, it's yeah. the same throughout. And it doesn't matter whether it's child-related, vulnerable no. adult-related, domestic abuse-related. Um, the fallout from all of it is just huge for the people, obviously, who are going through it. And, and it's actually massive for us as well, yeah. because mm. definitely what we deal with is horrific on on all ends um and you deal with it because we deal with it it's yeah. just it be, sadly becomes the norm mm. um and there's there's very little that you find shocking per yeah. se I mean we chose you choose yeah. to come into this department yeah. so you may come in you know thinking oh we're dealing with domestic abuse and child protection you, you might not we don't see the initial call you know we don't go to the initial report of this and, and see initially the, the victim with a bruised face or you know injuries or but after that we pick up the emotional side of it as well from that that, that victim yeah. and the extended family um I was just thinking it's when you said about fallout there I've just written fallout actually I was thinking there's that kind of the ripple effect of the incident or the assault or whatever it whatever it is that you're having to investigate but it's then the ripple effect on the family you know the person who's the people are concerned in that the family then it's you as well and then how you are when you get home you know it's it just kind of ripples out from each of those places doesn't it and I guess there's some that affect you more than others oh yeah fallout Domestic, it doesn't matter whether it's domestic abuse, whether it's, um, you know, for vulnerable people, the mm. child sex offences, just using domestic abuse as, as an example, if, you know, something's happened and, and it's not just the females that are always the victims of domestic abuse, although a male coming forward is, is, is far less likely to happen. So just let's just say you know you've got mum dad and you've got a you've got a couple of children in the house and something's happened um mum reports it dad's then arrested you need to speak to the children as well mm. these you children know, and it's how it affects yeah it's yeah. it's and nine times out of ten it's not the first time yeah. so it's what they've been subjected to largely for you know it it could be lord knows how long before mm. um and then you have to try and sometimes it's a battle trying to get through to parents to allow because you obviously need the parents permission to speak to the children um but if you speak to mum sometimes mum's like no i don't want yeah because oh, you, you've got to be struggle. mindful because yeah you've got these children in the middle of a domestic incident but if we then ask those children to give us an interview and, and to tell us what's happened they're telling something about their dad or their mum, yeah. which could affect yeah. the family Them, yeah. and their future. Yeah. You know, so we have to be very careful about the children and we don't want them not to be able to come and speak to yeah. us, you know, and we don't want them to, to be in fear of, well, if I speak to the police, my mum and dad aren't going to be together and I'm not going to have a dad or I'm not going to have a mum. So, um, but then we have the, in all that, that's, 
falls on the voice of the child, yeah, doesn't it? it does. So you yeah. you always take the um, children's considerations into interview and and that might be you know mum could sometimes for example if mum says yeah no problem I, I don't mind you speaking to the kids and then we come to speak to the children but the children still have an option mm. they don't you know that that you can't force them to do anything if they um if they choose to then you know that's fine but also by the same token if they choose not to that's also fine but sometimes mm. it is like not just with domestic abuse so yeah, yeah child protection and you know a child has has been so brave to be able to come forward and eventually just give that little bit of a disclosure to it could be a teacher it could be a family friend it, it could be a friend who then goes on to speak to their parents who then contact us it could be anything like that that child has been so brave because mm to come forward to say that somebody in their family is hurting them you know it's got to a point where they know this isn't right and yeah. I can't yeah. take that pain or whatever any longer and me and Les have dealt with a few and you know we've sat there when we've interviewed when we had a colleague interviewing this particular one yeah and we sat there writing notes and taking and making sure that all the equipment's sorted and we both sat there with our hands on our mouths and it was, oh my word, this mm. poor child. You know, but then again, that child was then taken from the family home, placed elsewhere, was removed from school. You know, so she had to build a new life. Um, and again, that that one investigation will stay with me forever, mm. absolutely forever. I, I mean, if listening to you talking about those, you know, just that case, it feels incredibly sad, doesn't it? That I know we, we at Fortis, we work in a lot of schools and we've seen what you've seen that children are starting to disclose. And even if they can't articulate what's happening, they've been able to do it creatively or they've kind of alluded to something that's been going on. You know, it's harder sometimes, isn't it, to actually fully understand what's been happening just because of how a child might communicate about their experience or express it. Yeah, I mean, like you said, there's many different ways that a child can come and express. It doesn't have to be verbal. You know, we've had stuff written down, we've had pictures drawn, um, and then the teachers will then report safeguarding referrals, so social care get involved in the local authority. And, you know, we have um, intermediaries that we request to come in and assist the children um, in, you know, expressing what's happened and being able to to articulate what's gone on or again you know with um play you know it's mm. not just verbal that there's a play that they, you know that they can act out that, absolutely and it you know i i've got young children at home um and when i go home gosh you know there's nothing better than going home and seeing them you know we've got having happy. a cuddle sitting watching tv give them a kiss mm. and they often say is your day all right mum and i just say yeah it's fine fine um or when i go home after a late shift and they're fast asleep and you just go in and just watch them for a minute and give a little sniff of the head you know <laughs> that's how i deal with it and i just think we're so lucky mm. but unfortunately there's children out there and people out there are, are not that lucky and, I've chose this this career pathway to 
be able to try and make a difference for them children and adults so that they can have a happy life which they deserve. You're listening to the Keeping the Peace podcast, produced in collaboration between Oscar Kilo, the National Police Wellbeing Service, and Fortis Therapy and Training. Hmm. I think that, I mean, I know for me years and years ago when I was working with, I used to work in CAMS and I remember having a child that I was working with who was the same age as one of my children and he was, you know, he was having a really difficult time, this boy. And I, I, I remember someone saying to me, sometimes you just got to go home and, and, and kiss your kids and give them a cuddle. And, you know, it's almost like ground you in your reality compared to trying to support somebody in their reality. And I think you just expressed that really well, that it's that bit about gratitude, isn't it? About what is happening in your own home as well, I think. And even if that is a little cuddle on the sofa with a glass of wine, (laughs) by the end end of a, you know, a A difficult shift. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's just to to ground and look round and think, you know, I am lucky that I can come home to this. Mm. Well, unfortunately, there is people out there that don't have this. Yeah. No absolutely how do you because obviously you're dealing with this day in day out and that it never stops does it there's never there's never a day when that's not going to happen or you can put it down if you like um and you know put your caseload down and have a day off without maybe thinking about some of the cases you're working on it's because 24 hours a day how do you manage that for yourselves how do you kind of manage that in your own mind I, I think I think it's certainly for me and I'm sure I'll speak for you as well it's hard to put your caseload down yeah because you're constantly because of the threat or because of the harm or because of because of the risk factors involved as well you always be thinking have I done this did I do the right thing with that did I remember to speak to social care did I remember to speak to there's just so many things that that are constantly running through yeah and and it's not at the the point of a charging decision yeah. you know or an outcome from a decision maker of the cps after that that's when the work starts again yeah. doesn't it yeah um with the going to court and trying to keep the people the victims and the witnesses on board with us um, and to reassure them that yeah they're there so it doesn't just stop when, no. when you've got a no, decision, does it? It just easy. carries on. That, yeah. It's almost as if, and none of it's easy, but it's almost as if, you know, you'd initially get your incident in and then getting all the reports yeah. and everything together and making sure evidentially you've got everything together. And then, you know, you can take that to try and obtain a, a charging decision. But then beyond that, you need to deal with the CPS, you need to still deal with the victim, mm. you need to keep the family on board. So you've got so many other plates that you're spinning as well. And bear in mind, you haven't just got one incident, you've got a screen full. So you yeah. can have, you could be trying to do that same process with like 30 or 40 jobs. Yeah. And sometimes it's nigh on impossible. Mm-hmm. So I, mean, I just think it's literally hundreds of plates you're spinning, actually, when you describe yeah. it like that, isn't it? And it's not just work. You've got your home as well. as well. As, you know, I'm a mum of young children. I work full time. I work shifts. I've got my husband who's in, in the police service as well. I mean, he works days at the moment, but trying to juggle, you know, your home life and work life, yeah. you have to try and get a balance. So when... When I'm having my rest days or, you know, I've finished a, a 
a set of shifts. Um, I do like a glass of wine, um, you know, or two. In fairness, we've earned it. Yeah. And then <laughs> but the other thing is Absolutely. I do like to just sometimes is be on my own. Um, yeah. You know, thank goodness the schools are back full time. We were lucky that mine, you know, for key workers, they mm. were able to go in while I was in work. But I had to have them when I was on my rest days, which is for my children, you know, I've got that responsibility. But going out for a walk, I've got two dogs. Um, and I know when I've listened to the previous podcast in your first series, there's quite a few people on there were saying, you know, I like to go and walk my dog. And there's nothing better mm. than being out in the open, even if it's rubbish weather, it doesn't matter. Yeah. You know, you can talk away to your dogs and they don't answer back. They just look at you and say, oh, <laughs> Very accepting. They, they yeah. love you unconditionally. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. They, and they can't—they can't tell you what you should be doing because they no, don't know. <laughs> yeah, no. can't be telling you. Can't no. be telling, what are you doing now? Why? Why are you worried about that? Yeah. Come on. Mm. Yeah. Well, mm. you've not done this. You've not done that. Yeah. Well, yeah. It's all right. Yeah. It's fine. Yeah. Mm. We'll go out and chuck a ball for a little while and have a walk. Yeah. I yeah. think similarly for me. Um, rest. It, well. Rest days for me is slightly yeah. rest days for me is slightly different to Nat. I struggle. I I I struggle to actually switch off mm-hmm. um, because of the volume that you're dealing with and just you know there is a fear. Have I yeah. made the right decision? You know, have I taken account of all the threat, harm, and risk? Mm. You know, what's going to happen if he comes back? Um, you know. And and for the the victims as well, it's not been uncommon for people to contact me on no. on days off. Mm. And um, that's on you know that's credit to you, Les, is that you know you take your laptop home and you carry on, you know, because, not, not to the like of your no, husband, maybe. No, sometimes. no, I do I do <laughs> but, quite often get told off yeah. for that. But I think as well, and probably just more so when it's coming up to um, you know. It's the, the cases with CPS. Um, so it's not just kind of the victim or the family mm. or, you know, the, the CPS are, are responsible for a lot of um, yeah. heartache and worry. Mm. I'll, I'll, yeah. I'll put that politely. Because mm-hmm. they just have you jumping through hoops and, you know, but they're doing it for the right reasons and they're doing it in order to obtain, you know, what we hope is a positive outcome. But mm. Um, yeah, sometimes it's just difficult to yeah. stop, isn't it? But um, there are people within within our team, within our office. Um, I'm probably pot kettle black because I would tell somebody, what are you doing that for? Do you need to do it now? Yeah. And you're exactly the yeah. same. That would quite often say to me, you know, come on. Mm. Do you need to do that now? Can it wait till tomorrow? It's always easier, isn't it, to see it in someone else than it is to kind of manage it for yourself yeah totally yeah Yeah, I mean Mm. I can look at Les across the office and think that little face there doesn't look quite right you know you know the aura yeah yeah that's my little thing is that just to make someone talk or make someone laugh you say your aura doesn't seem right (laughs) we have a little giggle and then they might talk because I am a believer of of talking and it's it's very difficult you know I've not always been that way Mm. um you know and still today you know I I will bottle things up until it explodes you know and and that would be in tears yeah um but I've just trying to come to terms with just try and be open and I'm like that with 
a lot of the these, you know, the bobbies and even if it's someone you see out and about in uniform, you know, whatever, we're, we're all taking on this stress and mm. responsibility for others. Do you think that that as a, as a team, is that something you've always had as a, you know, when you've been working in this team, that kind of support for each, being able to know each other well enough to step in if you need to or check in or? We actually, we, I mean, we've, we've said we've known each other yeah. for a long time since Les joined the job. I, I've known Les, um, she was a probationer on the block and, yeah. you know, was being tutored and we've remained friends, even though I moved on from there and eventually Les moved on and we ended up back in the same department. But I think within our department, we are lucky yeah. that we have got a lot of, and we're not just colleagues, we're friends, aren't no, we? Uh, yeah, and that's, and, and that's a... You know, the, the lads and the girls in the office, we're all quite open, aren't we? And there is a couple of people who, we're all different, aren't we? Uh, if, that, yeah. you know, deal with stress and anxiety well, maybe different, but that's everyone, you know. Completely mm. individual to yeah. a person, isn't it? But you can identify yeah. within the room because mm. you can pick up yeah um, do. on certain members when they're up or when they're down or you know is something going on you know are they nearing a, a deadline do mm. you need, yeah, a bit of need help, help you know? so and it's really good because because you are all in the same room mm. you can shout across and say okay do you need and what are you up to what needs doing how long have we got left on the clock you know and there's different um levels of experience isn't there yeah you know we've got brand new um bobby's coming through they were doing yeah. the the trainee investigators course and you know so they've come from maybe response or you know dealing with lower level investigations to come to here to deal with the, the risk which is there is a, a high risk with domestic abuse and child protection and vulnerable adults mm. um but we just all seem to to get on don't we and it yeah. does make a massive difference and, and we've got good supervision mm. and that, that makes a difference doesn't it it's huge. I, I, I just have yeah. to say and this is a particular um um something I feel quite strongly about your supervision makes all the difference yeah. mm. super, your supervision is the difference between you carrying um you know 40 jobs as opposed to what you should be carrying which is maybe 20 mm. and, and what I'm but what I mean by that is there's such a volume that comes through in relation to calls and you know the different um levels of incident and they can direct that correctly mm. um somebody who may be not as good within the supervisory role mm. just doesn't stand the corner so you end up taking everything yeah well it's I was just thinking there it, it, that can feel like an avalanche can't it that it just oh, keeps coming absolutely yeah. and it is a conveyor belt mm. it doesn't stop it's 24 7 seven days a week mm. the incidents just keep coming through Nat said before about um you know with it being the pandemic and on the CP front there's mm. you know it, it maybe have dropped a bit it doesn't mean it, it hasn't stopped it hasn't stopped it's just hidden isn't it yeah but that's only because the area that maybe the reports would have been made from, i.e. schools and youth clubs and, and stuff like that, the, there's not been anybody there, but that will increase now that the yeah. children have gone back. Mm. And as well as um, kind of increasing the child protection element of it, 
kid can kids like to talk don't yeah. they and tell yeah. stories sometimes so you know they also detail what's going on domestically mm. so and then you get reports through in relation to you know other incidents that they shouldn't have been witnessing as well so you've got mm. the inquiries and in relation to domestic abuse but yeah mm. it's all about spinning those plates without yeah. dropping them it is it's it's a tricky tricky balance to strike isn't it because yeah. especially when you know it's it's just going to keep coming and, it, and you said a good supervision really makes a difference I guess a good supportive team dynamic as well and being able to kind of yeah. say when you're struggling I think that can be hard can't it especially when you're spinning plates and not wanting to drop any if it's you who be if it's you who's the plate that's starting to wobble then none of those things keep going I, I think it's I think it's I have encountered a situation where, for myself personally, mm. where I have thought I'm, I'm struggling here. Yeah. Um, and I think all of us have. Oh my word! Yeah. But totally. The ability to be able to go to your supervisor and say, "Look, I'm, I'm struggling to cope with the the level or the volume that we've got." In fact, I, I, I didn't actually do it. It was identified by somebody yeah. else. And um, it ended up with floods of tears thinking, mm. oh, I can't do it. But it wasn't about can't do it. It was just... It, just overwhelming. Yeah. Absolutely overwhelming. Yeah. I didn't want anybody to think I couldn't cope or yeah. I couldn't com- fulfil the role. or It wasn't that at all. It's a fear just, of what other people think my, about you. Yeah, a fear mm. for me. Yeah as um somebody else might view me as um you know a crap bobby or she can't do the job and it's not it's not, not the at case all. more than capable of doing it you know and you'd be wanted on any any team mm-hmm. it's just the fear we all have that fear of, i've gone home recently after work working a weekend and panicked thinking what do they what do they think of me when they read the night report because we when you're dealing with a job you have to put it on a report which mm. is then um for the day so all the reports go on this this one uh, document and then that goes to the the big bosses doesn't it yes see and i was panicking thinking oh my word what what have i done the right thing you know and as long as you do the right thing for the right reason you don't go far wrong no no and it's it's coming back to that all the time isn't it it's like grounding yourself in I did yeah. I did what I think was right at the time and um and and hindsight's always a wonderful thing you always see things differently with a bit of space don't you between the what you've actually done and what you you know yeah. your reflections on it but feels like actually because I, I find in in mental health especially that usually the the people who kind of say I'm really struggling and, I, and I'm overwhelmed have been going for such a long time you know kept going yeah. until that point of actually it's physically not possible mentally not possible to hold this in the same way as I have done um anymore but I think you're right there is that kind of it can almost be a kind of shame-based can't it that what are people going to think yeah. of me yeah. if I don't hold this if I, are they going to are they going to write me off is that going to affect my career you know all of those fears that they, they come in don't they they can kind of crowd in around feeling really vulnerable I think yes and so it just makes a difference when you do get you know one of your supervisors even just saying to you well done you know you don't have to have it in writing or you know that yeah that's lovely but if someone just says to you you did a good job there Mm. that's all you need and it's just instilling that confidence within yourself that you can do this job and you know 
carry on doing what you're doing you're not doing anything wrong you're yeah. doing everything right for the right reasons yeah and someone's reckon i think recognition is a like you said doesn't have to be a big fanfare does it it just needs to be a good job thanks for today that kind of thing that's exactly it at the mm. end of the day we, we just we all do our best we come into work in the morning you now let's let's see what the day throws at us what do we need to do you deal with it you deal with it either individually as a team um you know if there's elements of both sometimes sometimes there's not enough staff to deal with the incidents that, yeah. that are in so you have to deal with it individually um because there's just not enough people on the team to deal with what you've got and at the end of the day you know you sit down and you think i've done everything i can and and your your peers know that your colleagues yeah. know that your supervision knows that and thanks is just like a, it's a very very small world word mm. but with such a big meaning yeah mm. absolutely and it's something that i think we can forget to do as well when you're working with other people and you're in it in the thick of it it's hard isn't it sometimes to recognize that's all it takes sometimes yeah don't see it you don't see it mm. yeah. so for both of you have talked a little bit about kind of having struggled yourselves you know how have, how have you helped yourselves to kind of get through those times what works for you you know you talked nasty about walking the dog and getting that time outside and and talking really helps what what else kind of supports you in keeping your well-being because I guess it can ebb and flow at times depending on how much is going on and what cases you're working on and everything else but there must be things that you do or you've learned to do over the years that that really help just like I said talking um, mm. definitely is a massive thing for me um and just just you know looking back um, and being grateful for the life that you've got outside of work mm. um and, and the colleagues that you work with you know that makes a massive difference um like i said you know walking the dogs when we were allowed to go for a drink <laughs> you know, we would as a yeah. team we would We'd go you know, yeah the team that we were on we would go into Liverpool and have a couple of gins um, and have a giggle. Yeah. You know, and it's just, we're Letting off some steam, isn't it? Yeah, we're, we're normal people. We're, ev- you know, but we choose to do, do this enough. role yeah. where we do see horrific things. We do deal with horrific incidents, but we are there for one another um, and we know that that will always be yeah. won't it yeah um yeah and you know speaking to my husband about you know what i've dealt with that day or not speaking and just cut you know putting it right in my head before opening up about it yeah. and l- reflecting on what we've done that day makes a big difference you know that you, all you all we come to work to do is help people yeah mm. and that's all we want to do mm. And I think, I mean, it's a, it's just that, you know, I feel the same for what I do. It's help, it's, it's feeling that you are making a difference to people, isn't it? However, whatever they need and however that happens, it's helping people to, to work through and in your circumstances, working through to some kind of conclusion that's helpful for the people that, that, you know, that the incidents that have happened. Um, what I would say is, you know, the, the case that we have spoken about very briefly that we've dealt with together, um, I worked with the family, um, extended family, um, and built a relationship with them, really. And you do build relationships with, mm-hmm. you know, the, 
victims of the, these cases, um, they asked me, would I read out their victim, victim personal statement in court, mm. um, which was huge. You know, I had to stand there. Well, I didn't have to, but I said, I'll do that. That's not a problem. I will stand up in court and read this victim personal statement, which called the suspect all sorts of names. Um, and I did get emotional in court, but to do to be able to stand up and say those things that the family wanted to say to that mm. suspect was huge. And I think it's a little bit of closure as well there for the family that they've got across what they wanted to say. And not just the family, but myself. I was just thinking it's but you've helped you've you've kind of helped them to find their voice there haven't you by doing that for them it feels like that was actually quite a powerful thing for you to actually be involved in really really powerful and like I said at halfway through reading it I had to take a breath because you do get emotionally involved with these families um and I could feel that oh I'm gonna cry in court you know I can't do that took a breath and carried on but you know at some point you, you have to close that door but it's always going to open a little bit I quite often think of that family mm. you know and always will and mm. there's, there's jobs isn't there you I know think, that we've dealt with recently that I think something always gonna some just for the nature of what we deal with and who we deal with there's some things that you will that will never leave you no. and not always for the right reasons mm. um just because they've been so horrific to deal with but, but what I would say, and I'm sure you agree, for all the hard work that you go through mm. and when you get the right result at the end of it, mm. you, know, you might have been in tears oh, on a number yeah. of occasions yeah. thinking, I'm never going to get this done. I don't want to miss this deadline. You know, it's got to, it, you've got to do this, you've got to do that. But when you get the result for all the work and the effort that you've put in, you know, and, and they receive deserved punishment yeah. then just that's like a cherry on the cake oh, it's just yeah can't mm. describe that no. feeling i was going to say how would you describe the feeling because it feels it's like the ultimate job satisfaction i imagine ultimate but, job satisfaction yeah mm. you know you you as well as so you you'd have your daily workload mm. and we deal with what comes in on a daily basis and then you know, you, you've got your own workload, which could be anywhere between 30 or 40 jobs. Nine times out of 10, that's what a lot of us are carrying. Yeah. And then, you know, the, the jobs can't be dealt with within a day or a week or a month. Um, they, at the moment, things are delayed largely because of COVID and the situation mm. within the courts and stuff. But you know, you could be you could be working towards getting a job to Crown Court for a year. Yeah. Mm. So there's one that the, one of our colleagues at the moment yeah. is Crown Court is February two thousand and twenty-two. Yeah. I, I wow. dealt with a, well, yeah. I dealt with a young girl who came in and spoke to us out of nowhere in January two thousand and nineteen. It's March two thousand and twenty-one. And we go to Crown Court next week with her yeah. job. Mm. So it's taken two years. And COVID really hasn't played yeah. that much of a part in that. But that's two years for a young girl. Mm. Um, with and that, Do you think that puts you, because I think that creates quite a lot of pressure, doesn't it? Because you know you can see the impact of that limbo time on the, the victim. Oh, massively. Yeah. 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 
because they're wondering what's going on now. You know, I've not heard anything. Have um, they forgotten about yeah, me? Yeah, they've forgotten about me. Have they not taken me serious? Yeah. I've, I've been told it's there's been yeah. charged. Is that the end of it? Because a lot of people we deal with, they don't understand the the what, criminal justice yeah. system, do yeah. they? And yeah. what happens after charge? So there is a lot of explanation and waiting and reassurance. I bet. Yeah, and to get to that point of that that conviction and a sentence is just. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I just yeah, it's just yeah. it's a lot of hard work, and it's a yeah. it's a lot of stress and anxiety mm. for the people who are going through it, that situation as well. Mm. But you're dealing with them, so you're picking up on that stress and anxiety, and it it's hard not to let it mm. get to you. I just yeah. I don't know. I was just thinking though, when you I know you talked before about you know some of this, it, be, it almost becomes a norm because it's what you're doing every day, and yeah, but there's also you know like you said it's hard to not let it get to you so but I guess it's it's important that it still does get to you sometimes as well yeah. you know because you've got to care about what you're doing haven't you because if you get become you become almost kind of immune to it which I can't imagine how you would do that but if you did then you're probably not going to be as invested in what you're doing every day as you are now and we deal with every job is completely different yeah. you know so yeah you deal with you've got new lines of inquiry new information coming to you from different jobs all the time so every like i've said invest every investigation is completely different and you can't just say oh it's another domestic abuse it's another child protection job everything's different and completely you don't know what you're coming into it no. you know every shift it can be well this morning just as a case in point we came in and the night report from the the, the detective on duty last night um, strangely didn't have uh, and very rarely this does this happen but didn't have any prisoners morning shift to pick up mm. but within the space of I think it must be about six minutes yeah about six minutes we had four different prisoners yeah that yeah. just landed within minutes of each other mm. the, so that's that's the section wiped out for the day then yeah so that then doesn't give you so you're dealing obviously dealing with your life with your life matter and mm. you know your person that's in custody but all the time at the back of your head you're thinking I've got 30 jobs sat on my screen I've got 10 CPS action plans I need mm. to go and do this I need to go and do that and all the time you're thinking how can I fit more into that 10 hour shift mm. I, I say 10 hour shift but your 10 <laughs> hour shift is never a 10 hour shift mm. very rare isn't it yeah, yeah. you can yeah. start at seven o'clock in the morning and you can go home at four o'clock the next morning yeah but as Nat said before it's what we do it's it's what we expect and it's not a job that you can pick up and put down mm. and, and it, Sometimes there is a life expectancy on or a shelf life for you in this role. Yeah. Um, but I personally can't see my shelf life going. This is what I want to do. Yeah. Um, and I know that's the same with you. Yeah. Guys. And there's, there's many people in this department that you could never see going elsewhere because they are still so invested in, mm. you know, making a difference for these children and, and these adults yeah and, and, it's, and that's what it is it's all about making that difference yeah. and as long as you are still invested you have to be you know if it comes to a point where you think oh, I've had enough now I can't, I can't carry on being told about these horrendous sexual allegations against children or you know mm. we have to go and watch 
videos that we find on the suspect's mobile phones or devices you know and we see them images in our minds and mm. you know, they, don't, and, go and they don't go away um but you know if, if you have had enough you need to be able to say and recognize uh, I, I've need had enough. Yeah. I need a minute I might need to go to a different department for a few mm. months and it's knowing it's almost knowing that before it's taken its ultimate toll isn't it in terms yeah. of breakdown and you know burnout and all of those things that we're aware of now that happen and I was just thinking you, you you're holding a lot of traumatic events and you know traumatic experiences for other people but also having to manage those the impact on you as well from that perspective so that kind of vicarious trauma that being aware of where you're at and how and tracking yourselves to make sure that you're you're okay even though you can't remove what you've seen it will impact on different ways depending on how you're doing won't it yeah and eventually you know I see my brain as a filing cabinet so and I've only learned that over (laughs) the years of of seeing you know trauma and and all sorts and, and you know accessing help when I've needed to I'm quite open you know that I do say I'm mad, you know, but I'm quite open about that. She's um, not. She's not. But I see it, see it as a filing cabinet. And, you know, when you see that an image or you see some horrific incident in front of you, it is there, you know, at the forefront of your mind. But eventually it goes further back in that filing mm. cabinet, comes out every now and again, you Good know, time. with a little trigger of something. But then it goes back again. And as long as you... You know, you can deal with that or you, you say to somebody, actually, what I saw yesterday, I need to speak to someone about it. Yeah, it's affected me. I really need to talk to yeah. someone. Yeah. Um, you know, I've had triggers. I still have triggers, uh, but I'm I'm fully aware of them. I just want to make sure that I'm there. If someone else can, can say, you know, I've seen this, I can't get it in my mind. Well, I'm there to speak to, you know, I'm quite open and I've said this, I don't know how many times about being open, but... Anyone can come to me and say, can we have a chat? Or I'll go to them and say, should we have a chat? Mm. We'll have a brew somewhere. Yeah. Um, it's, it's huge just knowing that, you know. Sometimes it's as well for the people less likely to chat like you and I. Yeah. Um, it's just having, just going up. You all right? Well, yeah. What are we up to? What have we got on today? Mm. You want a brew? Oh, yeah, yeah. Let's go to the kitchen and make a brew. Mm. No, and it could be just... 15 20 minutes out of your day mm. but it makes a massive difference to the next person feels very it's just thinking about that informal kind of it's almost like informal peer support isn't it it's that kind yeah. of you, you all know what it's like to be in the job that you're doing and keeping an eye on each other you know that you might like you said not there you know your triggers but you also said Les that sometimes or somebody else notices what's going on for you before you do and it's yeah. if you know yeah. you've got that within your team that's so helpful isn't it it's so supportive yeah, I mean, we, I think we've both been in previous roles where we haven't had that. Yeah. Um, I personally have been in a role where, you know, I, I, it sent me off sick um, with anxiety and just how people treated me in that role. So to see the difference from having colleagues that understand uh, and are open, um, you know, and approachable makes a huge difference. Mm. And we are very lucky in this role and in this department that we've got that. And similarly, I think that goes back to what I was talking about in relation to supervision. Yeah. If you've got good supervision, just you just cannot be um, undervalued at mm. all. 
Mm. Um, we've both been in similar situations um, and found ourselves in a position that's been difficult to deal with, but it's not as you're doing, it's as a mm. result of somebody other else's behaviour and actions and, and other people's behaviour. So it's then also, you know, figuring out how you deal with that um, mentally yourself when you're aware that it's going on, how you deal with it without kind of rocking the proverbial boat. Yeah. Mm. Because they are your supervisor. Yeah. But then you have the fallout of, oh, well, can't do that because she said this, that, or the other. Mm. Or you can't do that because she's she's been awful. You, you mm. know, it's just it. The, I don't think I don't think I'm wrong in saying that the politics that are involved sometimes kind mm. of can make the the position yeah a little bit more difficult to deal with. But yeah. Mm. But we, at the moment, we've got amazing supervision. Amazing. I mean, the, even the team, the, the whole, whole team, team yeah. the three teams, and I'm not just talking immediate supervision either. No. It's, it's it's the a, wider the, supervision. The sergeants, the inspectors, and the, the, the DI, the, the DCI. DCI yeah. at the moment are is mm. uh, Mom Bennett, and she's she's just brilliant, isn't she? Merseyside Police East PVP is the place to be at the moment. Yeah. inundated with people applying no, uh, no we no, would like we'd to like we'd to. like to so if this is going out and people are listening yeah. East PVP is the place to be yeah. come yeah. and just try applications yeah. <laughs> come and join us yeah, yeah. yeah. we're looking <laughs> <laughs> look out for each other <laughs> thanks uh, thanks ever so much for taking the time out to speak to me but to both of you it's been really great to hear both your experiences and also you know what what works what makes the job that you do you know it's never going to be an easy job is it ever but it makes it more um possible i suppose in terms of having that supervision having the peer support within the team also what you do outside of work to keep yourselves well and what you connect to that that kind of grounds you in in your reality not in you know the job's reality yeah, if you like yeah absolutely yeah so thanks ever so much um thank you really appreciate it and if um we're going to be doing a series, the rest of the series will uh, be including different roles within policing. So, you know, keep listening and we're putting them out every couple of weeks. Thanks, everybody. Thank you for listening to the Keeping the Peace podcast. It's available wherever you listen to your podcasts. And if you subscribe, you'll be notified of the next episode as soon as it's available. We'd love to hear your feedback and ideas for future podcasts. So please do comment or get in touch on our social media platforms for either Fortis Therapy and Training or Oscar Kilo.